There have been some uh, great comebacks in his history, and of course, I hope you're a sports lover. I know some out there are not really sports lovers, and they're going, oh, but, but, but for most of you, uh, you'll appreciate these. Where the odds were stacked against a person or a team, and in fact, uh, this past year, my son, who lives in Minnesota, who is a Vikings fan, bought his whole family for Christmas tickets to the Vikings game. And uh, the Vikings had been winning most of the season, but just sliding by for those who, have, who know football. And uh, they'd been really, had been quite successful. And so it was a good year. And so he bought the tickets and takes a, he's got three sons, so all five of them, to go to an NFL game couple hours away, it's kind of a big deal. Well, from the opening kickoff, the Vikings were just getting crushed. And in fact, it was 30 to 0 at the halftime. And it was at that point, Dan was wondering, why was this the Christmas present I gave? You know, what was going on here? And uh, at the time, in fact, when they went back into the locker room, not, not Dan, but the coach and the players... They said, we, here's what he said, it came out of his mouth, we need five touchdowns in the second half. And uh, that was rather obvious, but that's what it was going to require. And then the Vikings made the greatest comeback in the history of the NFL. And they were Dan and the kids and were all there to watch that game, and it was just one of these. Well, you might remember a comeback, and again, you've already kind of heard the line as I shared it with the, with the children this morning already and sort of stole my own thunder, but maybe you remember a particular. Maybe it was the 1980, for those of us who are a little older, U.S.-Soviet hockey game, and that one, one was uh, one that went on record. Maybe for some of us who are not quite, 2011, can you remember way back then, and game six of the World Series, and I watched it again in preparing for this sermon. Okay, I mean, for this message, I thought, I'm just going to pull this up on YouTube and watch the several innings of this. And David Freeze, the hometown hero, comes through. And it was one of those events where you pump your fist in the air and mind, body, emotions, spirit is saying, yes, yes, yes. And that's the kind of morning we have right here. Do you know that in the November 2001 issue of Sports Illustrated magazine, the editors put together a list of the greatest comebacks of all time? And the World Series was very, very dramatic that year back in 2001, and the Diamondbacks, Arizona Diamondbacks, came back to beat the New York Yankees in the last inning of the last game. And so they put together this list. Now, the list was broader than sports. The editors went ahead and they said, what are the greatest comebacks? And uh, so on that list, they had Elvis Presley. He made, a, he made a TV special in 1968 that revived his sagging career. And that, was, that made the list. Muhammad Ali made the list uh, for his comeback after seven years of uh, being away from boxing to become the heavyweight champion of the world again. Michael Jordan made the list because he had returned 
Remember, basketball player went over to play baseball for a while, and then he came back to basketball and won three more championships. I mean, talk about, let's talk about a superstar. Well, Harry Truman made the list. Uh, as he was elected president, but only after the newspapers the next morning all across the country had said Dewey was elected and declared president on that list. Now, I'm going to ask you the number one greatest comeback of all time, according to Sports Illustrated magazine. We have a picture of the empty tomb. Sports Illustrated. Jesus Christ back from the dead. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I'm grateful for each person that's here this morning in this assembly. And again, a number of folks that we know from long time back and friends and family and others that are maybe here for the first time. And I pray today that above all, we might unite around what is most important your death and resurrection. In the name of Jesus, amen. I want to put up a verse from John's gospel, John chapter 20 and verses 1 and 2. We read Luke's version a little bit earlier. John's version says this, and I actually just want to focus on verse 1 for a moment. Well, let's read 1 and 2, and I'll come back to 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Now, John's gospel is full of symbolism. And it has all this multi-layered meanings all the way through the gospel. But I want to pick up on just a phrase here, two phrases really, but the first one is this. It says, it was still dark. It was in that dark that Judas had handed Jesus over to the soldiers and the chief priests. It was in the dark of the night when Peter had rejected the Lord Jesus and said, I don't know that guy, as they were around a fire. It was in the dark that Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was in the dark, in the tomb, where he was laid. Had Judas and the chief priests and Pilate and the soldiers and those who shouted, crucify him, and all of those who had joined in, in some ways, each one of us, all of us who are part of a fallen world, won. It was too much, and defeat was inevitable, and Jesus had received this crushing death. And I want you to think about it this way for just a moment. Isn't death, Steve already pointed out, there he was on Good Friday, dead, the last and final enemy. 
And we deny it and we ignore it, but it is the consequences of sin, the world's sin and your sin, our sin. And it was sin that crushed the Son of Man and produced the cross. And many wanted to believe in something something new both then and now. They felt, I, I, I knew it was too good to be true. And I think about your own lives and how many of you are feeling even this morning, it's too good to be true. You fear getting your hopes up again. In fact, some of us might feel like these women who went to the tomb, not able to sleep, rising early, not with hopefulness, but filled with sleeplessness or filled with grief or or some kind of disappointment in your life. And they went stumbling in the dark to the tomb and they were uh, overcome by the forces of darkness that was eating up their lives, maybe filled with anxiety or discouragement or depression or even despair, as I know that some of you might right now be feeling. Maybe for some you're in that part of the semester where you are being swallowed by test-taking and exams that are to come up or the future. Or others may feel it in terms of your work deadline. It's sapping your spirit. Others have taxes that are hanging overhead right now. you got about a week to get those done. Or maybe you're feeling covered with debt. For others, there's a concern about your own sickness or about your own children. Or maybe there's a hopelessness in a relationship that doesn't seem to improve. Some of you, I know, are grieving. So you understand in your spirit what the text is saying when it says, and it was still dark. Now, there's a second phrase, though, in that very first sentence in John's Gospel, and it says, early on the first day of the week. Think about this. Think of what John is alluding to. Think about the good, God's good creation in the first six days of the week, and then on the seventh day he rested And then, of course, there was the fall of humankind, and there was the disaster in the garden, and all of that, decade after decade, generation after generation of fallenness. But what kicks off this new creation? It's the eighth day. It's the first day of the new week. It's Easter day. It is Sunday morning. It is every Sunday. John is telling us that we are in this new creation. We're a part of the last act of God's redemptive plan. And His plan is a good one. Doesn't always feel like it. And sometimes we wonder. And yet I want to suggest to you that God's plan of redemption and resurrection and the sign of the new creation and of the new heaven and the new earth that He's promised in Revelation chapter 21 is a good one. So I want to put it this way. Jesus, come back from the grave, was the greatest comeback of all time. 
And on this first day of the week, it's okay for us to pump our fists in the air and say, yes! Now, just to cement this into your mind, you're going to see a juxtaposition in a video that you will never have seen before, probably in a church service, but go ahead and run the reel. Now, Tiger's fist pumps can go on for a long time, okay? But I want you to raise your hand in the air and say, yes, 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 he's come back from the dead. Amen? Amen. Now, I want you to see, though, that there is more. There is more because this is not for us simply a distant memory. It's not simply an event that happened 2,000 years ago, but it is now part of our present reality and our future. And unless we get that part, we might not appreciate what has actually gone on and what's actually happened. That we got to get in on it today. We got to make this connection that the followers of Jesus are a part of the greatest comeback of all time. And not because Sports Illustrated told us so. This is the mysterious genius of God, of the good news, and it's led by the Holy Spirit of God that's been at work in the world since the day that Jesus was raised from the dead. We're connected to this past event, and it is still ongoing into our present world and into the future. Let me read a passage. This is from Romans chapter 6. Couldn't help but think about the baptism last night with a student from Acts Campus Ministry, another one today. Listen to this from the message. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. You see, we share in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Each of us is raised into a light filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace, sovereign country. We have this new life, the resurrection, it gives us direction, it gives us meaning, it helps us understand our place in the world. God raised Jesus with a body, and He'll raise us with a body as well. And everything about us, everything we do physically and spiritually matters, since the resurrection is the number one greatest comeback of all time. Here's another way of saying it. Don't bet on your own comeback. Now, in the video clip I showed earlier of Dave Waddle, 
I don't know if he thought he could come back or not when he finished the 800 and, and, and uh, won the race. That was his own, under his own power, his own volition. What we're seeing in the resurrection of Jesus, first of all, Jesus didn't raise himself. It was God through his spirit who raised him. And for us too, count on your comeback, but through Christ. It reminds me of uh, giving my grandkids piggyback rides in the swimming pool. Even before they could swim and before they could keep their heads above water, before they could save themselves because they couldn't save themselves, they could wrap their arms around Papa and he is a good swimmer. And when they hang on, they swim fast. So the verse says, if you've come to God through faith and have been baptized, you are now a partner in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and a participant in the greatest comeback of all time. It means life over death. It means love over hate. It means forgiveness over sin and failure. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says it this way, if Christ is not raised... What? You're still in your sin. But your freedom over bondage and over addiction and over your good triumphs over evil, faith over fear, future over the past, hope over despair through the resurrection. Let me read another passage from 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter says it this way, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy... He has given us new birth into a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A hope. I'm not talking about just a some kind of optimism that's not rooted in anything, but a confidence because of what God has done. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to be on the winning team. And I believe part of the reason that some of us like sports so much is that it is, life is this series of losses. There's just a lot of it. And it's painful. And sometimes it just feels massive. And it really doesn't even get easier, guys, as you get older. <laughs> it just keeps coming. But the understanding of the victory that we have is so sweet that there is, in the resurrection of Jesus, victory. Someone asked you a question. How do you respond? How do you respond today? What is it that I'd like you to do based on this truth? Start praying. Start recognizing the meaning of the resurrection. There is so much to mine and, and, to, and to dig into in terms of applying that to your own life. I, I, I thought of it this way, praying this. 
Because you, Lord, are the resurrection and the life, I have abundant life in you. And I hope that you have the faith to be able to tell yourself that that truth. If you can believe this, you'll be filled with an unstoppable joy and peace and hope regardless of what's going on around you. Now, a Sunday school teacher asked each member of her class to write one sentence on what Easter means to me. One kid wrote, egg salad sandwiches for the next two weeks. (laughs) I think we can do better. I think we can do better, church. Because the greatest winner of all time will fill us. And he'll teach us. Now at times he'll rebuke us. He'll ooze through you. He'll remake you. Remember Peter? He denied the Lord with oaths and curses, saying he didn't even know him. I don't know him. But he made a comeback. After Jesus' resurrection, he becomes the pillar of the early church. You remember Paul? It was called Saul. He persecuted Christians. He murdered them only to make a comeback, to meet the resurrected Lord and then to spread the gospel, this good news about Jesus throughout the world. So it was Paul that said, if there is no resurrection, we are the most to be pitied. So I need you to know, I need you to believe this morning that if you are weighed down by life's tough stuff, God can change things unexpectedly and dramatically for the good. You might feel hopeless in some areas, and Jesus Christ specializes in desperate cases. The resurrection proves this. And I hope every morning, I hope you'll get up and just do the fist pump and say, yes, 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 Lord, I believe in your resurrection. It certifies our victory. Little girl took issue with her Sunday school teacher. He said, Jesus is everywhere. And she said, no, he's not. He's not in the tomb. And you have that certainty that he is with you everywhere but in the tomb. If you're not a regular here at McKnight Crossings, number one, we absolutely would love for you to be. And we would love to be a part of this journey of faith with you. We're all learners. We're all strugglers. Most of us are messed up at least a fair bunch, and then some of us more than that, okay, that are regulars here. But God is working 
through us. And, 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 and he's the point of it all anyway. And we don't celebrate Easter quite like this every week. In fact, we're not necessarily in love with the festival of Easter and its pagan origins. However, we honor Scripture and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus every Sunday. So Anne Lamott, a writer, alcoholic, and a believer, said this. I live for Sundays. She said, it's like going to the spiritual gas station to fill up on fuel and clean the dirty windshield and mirrors. And usually, I show up nuts, self-obsessed, vaguely agitated, and I am at once reminded not of who I am, but whose I am. Praise be to God for the comeback in Jesus Christ.